Well, I want to talk to you tonight about aligning your life with your prophecy. How many of you have had a prophecy that you want to see come to pass, or maybe you have seen come to pass? And uh, I think all of us from time to time have received a word from the Lord or a prophetic word from someone else, and we, and we want to kind of do what we can to see that word come to pass. So through this tonight, I'll, I'll share a little bit of our, our story along the way. But uh, I, I just feel this is a word that will encourage you. And I really believe that, that all of you are on the verge of something. I remember, uh, you know, we've been here, I think, three times before in the old building. And as the rain was coming down last night, Alan said, well, I wonder if the old building's leaking, you know, the roof's leaking. And you don't have to be an engineer to figure that one out. The old building was leaking last night, okay? So... And, uh, but, I, but it's beyond, it's more than just this new building. There is something in the spirit that's happening with all of you. And I believe it's, you're beginning to step into a place of prophetic fulfillment that some of you have sensed for some time and some of you have been laboring over some of the words over this house. And I believe that you're about to see some of those things. There, there is an expansion that's coming. And so uh, you, you know that you're on a prophetic journey of fulfillment every step, both individually and corporately, is unfolding to destiny. Even our failures and our setbacks are opportunities for God to build and direct us. How many of you have had a setback where somehow God worked through that and you were the better on the other side of it, right? We all have. And uh, prophecy releases your true kingdom identity. You may have taken a wrong turn or maybe you've just had a setback. Circumstances beyond your control have come. But through God's grace and his providence, your destiny is still on a trajectory towards fulfillment. He's a loving father. Would you agree? And uh, identity, calling, and destiny are discovered through this father-son or father-daughter relationship. And he wants to see us succeed. It's one of the things I admire about Alan and Gail. They really have a father and mother heart. And, uh, and that's a big thing today, to have those who will help mentor us as fathers, true fathers and mothers in the faith. And so God is a loving father, and he's looking for friends. Uh, how many want to be a friend of God? And friends of God hear his voice, simply obey, and follow him to fulfill prophetic purpose. It's out of that heart-to-heart relationship that this unfolds. Now, you remember in the Gospels, as Jesus was making that transition, most of his ministry was in the region of Galilee. And there came a point where it says in Scripture, in one translation, it says that he set his face like a stone or like a flint towards Jerusalem. Nothing was going to deter Jesus from fulfilling his assignment, from fulfilling the purpose for which he came to this earth. And so even in Gethsemane, through the the, the pain and the agony that was in. He said, nevertheless, Father, not my will, but your will be done. And so right at the onset of this message, if we want to see the prophecies and the words in our life come to pass, we must also be willing to embrace the Gethsemanes that we will surely face. There'll be times where it will seem like God may be an unjust father or an unkind friend. But God's purpose and his plans may lead us into even difficult moments where if we'll simply trust him and can say like Jesus did, Father, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done, we will see prophetic purpose unfold in our life. The days and purposes for which God has created you 
They are woven into your innermost being. It's a journey then for each of us of discovering God's heart to fulfill that prophetic purpose and the destiny which we are uniquely created for. And so on our journey with God, we are both discovering his purpose and becoming who God created us to be through Christ. Our life literally is an adventure of faith. Now the heart of God and of prophecy is love, for God is love. And so real genuine prophecy or a word from the Lord will reveal the perfect heart of Father God. It'll edify, it'll strengthen, it'll comfort to hear, as Paul mentioned in 1 Corinthians 14.3. And so whether God speaks directly to us or through another, genuine God-inspired communication or prophecy is God's heart of love communicated to us. God will invite us into our destiny. He'll invite us into prophetic purpose, but he'll never demand and he'll never push us beyond what we're willing to embrace. He does give us free will. And so God's voice to us then is most often like our own voice, not filled with condemnation or negativity, but filled with his peace and his presence. And by the way, if you're always hearing a voice, one of condemnation, negativity, or the stern, a stern voice of the Father, I would just submit to you, spend some time with Father God. Spend some time in his presence. Say, Lord, let me experience your loving kindness. Let me experience your goodness. Let me hear your voice in a new way. Because I personally believe that God doesn't speak to us harshly. He speaks to us through a heart of love, and he never stops communicating that Father heart of God to us throughout our whole life. Even if you take a wrong turn and you go in a direction that's opposite of the Lord's perfect will for your life. And so our role then in life is to learn to discern his voice and then faithfully and obediently act upon it out of a place of heart-to-heart love relationships. God communicates then vision to us through love. He builds us up. He inspires us to walk with him on a journey to to impact others. God doesn't call out our failures. God speaks to the potential in each one of us. He looks. He knows how we were created. He knows the days fashioned for us when there were yet none of them. And he speaks to the potential that's in us and to where he wants us to be and where he's leading us towards. And so he looks then for those of us who will believe his prophetic promises and dare to risk. You, you realize it is a risky faith, as Carolyn was sharing earlier, where you do have to live on the edge then and take a step. Sometimes God's prophetic purpose for your life will literally lead you out of the safe and comfortable boat in a sea in the midst of a storm when it's not very convenient for you to leave the others. Are you with me? Now, take, let's take a look. I'm sure you're familiar with the story of Abraham and Sarah. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 and 12 These verses mean a lot to me. God used verse 8 specifically to speak to Carolyn and I years ago as we began to launch out in a life of of ministry. And uh, this passage says, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. Everybody say inheritance. You realize your destiny And that road to destiny is an inheritance in God. And he went out not knowing where 
he was going. That's that risky element of faith. By faith, he dwelt in a land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. He saw something that wasn't there yet. It's the nature of prophecy. It's the nature of seeing that word fulfilled in your life. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. Abraham and Sarah learned they could trust and obey God through their journey. They weren't perfect. You realize that Abraham and Sarah made some huge mistakes along the way. Uh, they go to Egypt. Oh, this is my, this is my sister. Well, it's a half-truth. It's his half-sister, but it's his wife. And Abraham, out of fear, begins to put himself in a, in a, and Sarah in a difficult place. And yet somehow through the midst of it, the purpose that God has for them still unfolds. Destiny is unfolding even through their mistakes. So they're not perfect, but through it all, they trust God through the process. God's grace and empowers Abraham and Sarah to literally to become the father and mother, if you will, of many nations. They discovered God as a father, one who deeply loves us. Abraham and Sarah had to align their lives with God's prophetic promise or the word over their life to see it fulfilled. Carol and I, we, when we first met, it actually was 30 years ago this summer, we were working at enge as engineers in Melbourne, Florida, and we both had gone through a very difficult time in our 20s. We both had been married previously and gone through some real times of brokenness in our 20s. And ironically, for me in particular, at the age of 20, I came to Christ. I was in the United States Navy. I came to Christ, had a major encounter with God, and I knew within a year of coming to Christ that there was a call of God in my life. I had no idea really what that was all about. Uh, I was raised as a, in a Catholic family, and, and our family wasn't perfect. Our family wasn't healthy. In fact, my dad walked out on my mom when I was uh, halfway through high school, and I was the oldest of five kids. And so for me, my high school years were tumultuous. I went into the military hoping that somehow along the way, life would work itself out. Lo and behold, over the course of two years, I had one person after another that God put in my path that shared Christ with me. And one night on an aircraft carrier, the USS Independence, I gave my life to Christ. Within a year of that experience, there was a Southern Baptist chaplain on the carrier, and I've got to know him. He began to kind of mentor me, and to this day, I look back, and I realize now he was a spirit-filled pastor that had a real heart to mentor, to mentor others. And he looked at me one day, and he said, I believe God has a call in your life to ministry. And so that I nourished that. I cherished that. But time went on in the military. I continued to work on my education. I graduated uh, with, a, with a degree in engineering, left, left the military. But before I left the military, I had gotten married. And within a couple of years of that marriage, things were not going in the right direction. And all of a sudden, I began to realize that some of what was in my heart and what I had felt God had called me to and, and my wife and I had two children, I, all of a sudden, I didn't think it was going to come to pass. 
she ended up leaving and, and it was very difficult. And I had a big part in that as well, I, I have to admit. And so all of a sudden, there I am in, in my mid to late 20s, and I'm like, God, what about the call? What about this that you spoke to me in my life? And then it was a short time later that I met Carolyn, and she had gone through some difficult times. And within a year and a half or so, Carolyn and I were married. And almost from the, the beginning of that, God began to put us on a fast track. All of a sudden, God began to restore. He began to heal. We began to get some ministry. And all of a sudden, I began to to deal with some things in my life. Number one, feeling this feeling of failure, this sense of, uh, God, how can you use me? I got the black D on my forehead. How many of you know what the black D is? In a lot of our church cultures, if you've been divorced, that's it. You, there's, no, there's no chance that you'll ever really be in ministry. or You can serve in the, in the church or as a lay leader or something of that capacity. And so I'm like, God, I felt that there was a call. There was a call to ministry. What is this all about? And so as time went on, we continue to work and serve as engineers. And then we have this encounter with the Holy Spirit. We get filled with the Spirit. And all of a sudden, God begins to speak and reignite this call to ministry in our life. And I'm like, God, I don't understand. And I remember one night we're in this charismatic church in Melbourne, Florida. And uh, Jack Taylor used to come there quite a bit. It was New Covenant Fellowship. They've changed their name since. And we're there this night, and the Lord speaks to me in the midst of an awesome worship service. And he says, if you go forward tonight and share with everyone that I'm calling you into the ministry, I'll restore the 10 years that you've lost to me. And I said, God, and I'm shaken. And I'm just like there in that chair. And it was one of those joyous worship services. Everybody's just worshiping. The joy of the Lord was just awesome. And I'm standing, I'm weeping, and I'm shaking. I'm like, God. He goes, he said it again. If you'll go forward and share with everybody this call that I have in your life, I'll restore the 10 years that you've lost. And I went forward, and I shared that that night. I shared with the pastor. He let me share with the congregation. And he said very wisely, He said, Bob, God's not just calling you, he's calling Carolyn. He's calling both of you. And so they prayed over us that night. And then a a good friend of ours, she was on the worship team, and all of a sudden she began to give a prophetic word. And she said, Bob, I feel like the Lord said that because you've come up forward tonight and share, that he's going to restore the years that you lost in your 20s. There's much to the story. But within, within a, the next couple of years, we felt the call of God to go to Haiti as missionaries. We walked away from our engineering careers. Family members thought we were a bit touched, but we knew it was the Lord. And that scripture, Hebrews 11.8, was a defining scripture for me. Now listen, don't go quit your job Monday. But I believe that there's some in this room and some of the young people that are off meeting elsewhere tonight. God has been speaking and he's been touching. And maybe you've felt that that prophetic word is, is maybe ebbed away or maybe some of those things that have come along in life, maybe it's too late. But remember these words. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out. When the voice of God comes and he calls, no matter the mistakes, no matter the years that have been lost, He will guide you in a place that you will literally receive as an inheritance. I look back now over these last 30 years, and I look what God has done with our church there in Tucson, and and that's another long story how that got planted. And I look back, and I'm like, all I can tell you is, oh, God. 
Only God can take the broken pieces of our life. I, you see, it wasn't just my own divorce. It was the divorce of my dad and mom. Uh, the pain, the sorrow, the brokenness, the, the, the feeling that is there ever going to be a future that is filled with sunshine and there's going to be, is there going to, right? And you see, God can take and he can elevate. He lifts those out of the ashes and he elevates them to sit with the princes of his people. God will elevate and he'll promote the most unlikely people and the most unlikely situations that he can use to be a voice in this hour to impact the nations of the world. You might be one of those. Maybe you felt like you've had the black D or something else over your life that's caused shame. Listen, Abraham and Sarah persevered. Again, they weren't perfect, and they didn't see everything even come to pass in their life. But prophetic promise enables you to see when circumstances cloud the promise. You see, it's like a marathon runner getting a drink. Hearing God's voice, hearing the promise reawakened and respoken to you, it refreshes it strengthens you. It helps you to run your race and to not get slowed down. The writer of Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 said this, So then let's also run the race that is laid out in front of us, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Let us throw off any extra baggage, get rid of the sin that trips us up, trips us up and fix our eyes on Jesus, faith's pioneer, and perfecter. He endured the cross. He ignored the shame for the sake of the joy that was laid out in front of him and sat down at the right side of God's throne. You see, Jesus is the author and perfecter and the finisher of our faith. He is the one we can look and keep our gaze on him. And no matter what baggage of the past, or maybe even the present, as we look to him, all of a sudden, those things have no longer have any importance. We can let those things go, and we can go on and fulfill those purposes that he has for us. Now, God's heart, it's always plans of good and a hope and a future. You know the scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11. He says, I know the plans I have in mind for you, declares the Lord. They are plans for peace, not disaster to give you a future filled with hope. Keep in mind, he spoke that to the, the children of Judah. They had turned their backs on God, and God's already pronounced that they're going to be led away into captivity, 70 years of captivity, and yet he gives them this great promise of a future filled with hope. You see, prophecy, the word of the Lord, it reveals the plans that God has for you to give you a hope. God reveals by his spirit things that your eye hasn't seen. 1 Corinthians 2.9. But verse 10 says this, but we know them by the spirit. You see, our eye hasn't seen or maybe our ear hasn't heard. Maybe it hasn't entered into our heart. But by the spirit, Paul says, we can know them. That's what prophecy does for us. And so the mind maybe can't conceive it just yet, but his voice and prophecy reveals those plans God has for you. Your mind will eventually believe and conceive the reality of God's plans. You know, after we said yes to God and we spent a season down in Haiti, we were, we're, back, we're back in the States and we were part of a church in Daytona Beach, Florida. And, uh, I, you know, again, being a former engineer, I had this, and still have, sort of an analytical mind. 
And I remember sitting in a meeting, and there was a guest speaker, and it was a prophetic uh, brother that was there. And he calls me out. He gives this word, and he says, the Lord says that you're very analytical, and the Lord says he's about to blow all your circuits. Well, little did I know what blowing all my circuits would entail. God then took me through another season of training where I began to learn to trust God. I thought I had to trust God going to Haiti and living in Haiti in a very impoverished nation, the most impoverished nation in the Western Hemisphere. And, uh, and that was a challenge, and there was trial. But all of a sudden, God now has us in a place where all of a sudden, I, in fact, I even started praying this. I said, God, if, if, just let me know. You know, Joseph, he was in the pit. Then he was in Potiphar's house, and he was in the prison. If you just tell me, am I in the pit? Am I in Potiphar's house, or am I in the prison? Where am I, God, in this process? You see, prophetic fulfillment will also take you through a process where God will allow your circuits to be blown will allow your character to be refined, but he'll bring you to a place of rich fulfillment because God's desire is to elevate you into a place of faith that you can be a testimony to impact others. That's what God's heart is for your life. Now, let's talk about some strategies to help you complete this prophetic journey. You see, we need strategies for each situation in life. How do you believe and act on God's promises or your prophecy? Simply spoken, it's strategy. You need to know the will of God. You need to know what he has spoken to you in particular. Uh, We planted that church 17 years, almost 17 years ago now in Tucson. But there was a time where Carolyn and I, after we've given our life to God, we're so on fire. We're driving around Melbourne, Florida, and we have this conversation one night. It might have been the same night that she mentioned. This is before GPS satellites were in the sky. And she goes, you know, one day I just see that there'll be satellites in the sky, and they'll be able to give us locations, and we'll know kind of where we're at. Maybe they can even be in a car. Yeah, right there. She got nothing out of it. And And I remember we had this conversation, and I said, you know, Wouldn't it be great to plant a church here in Melbourne? All of a sudden, we both had like a cold fear come over us. And we looked at each other, and right away we said, you know what? We better not do anything apart from knowing the will of God. And, you know, had we had stepped, we would have been out of the timing. We would have been out of the will of God. It was never God's intention for us to start a church there in Florida. God had to uproot us, take us all the way across the country. What had happened, we knew a church back in Pennsylvania in Carolyn's hometown that had supported us as we were missionaries down in Haiti, and they'd invited us if we would uh, go to Romania to oversee a church in in an orphanage there. And Carolyn and I felt like, well, this could be the Lord. And so we were back from Haiti, and we had finished our assignment there with with the church in Daytona. And so we were like, okay, and I had taken another engineering job, and, and I'm like, all right, well, this maybe is the Lord. And, and, and Carolyn and I, we're praying, we're praying through it, and Carolyn felt like, no, I don't sense we're supposed to go to Romania, but I do feel like God does want us to go to Pennsylvania. I'm in the whole way. I'm like, we're going to Pennsylvania, we're going to Romania, we're going to take the nation of Romania, you know. 
So we leave in the fall of 2000. I give my resignation. I leave this job. This was the second time now I've left a good job to serve the Lord. And so we end up going up to Pennsylvania. Carolyn's cleaning toilets for people that she went to high school with. That'll humble you. I got a job for $10 an hour helping a brother in the church do bookkeeping. I was making a lot more than that as an engineer. And we're up there, and we're like, okay, God, and, and we're working with the pastors. We're getting ready to go over to Romania. We're into the process, get this, nine months, just enough for gestation. And the pastors have a meeting with us, and they say, we don't need you to go to Romania anymore. There was a situation there with the pastor that was overseeing the church. He was a Romanian pastor and, and the orphanage, and they had to step him down. And they put in an associate pastor and who, by the way, was also an engineer, he was a civil, civil engineer, they didn't think that he would really leave his job and pastor the church, and, and, and it turns out he did a fantastic job. The church just flourished, the orphanage was doing great. They said, we don't need you to go, and we, and we said, well, you know, we agree, because it's better to have someone, you know, a Romanian lead that ministry there. And so we, we prayed through it and all these different things, and uh, at the end, we realized, we said, look, maybe we're supposed to go to Romania, maybe we'll work in a university town that was near there. Maybe we'll plant a church there. And we prayed, they prayed, and we're like, no. The pastors are like, no, that's not what you're supposed to do. And so I got with the Lord. I said, Lord, what is it? Here we are. We're in rural Pennsylvania. Should we go back to Florida? And the Lord said, no, I don't want you to go back to Florida. And it was one of the coldest winters in Pennsylvania they had in a long time. We had brought this cat. His name was Rafa from Florida. We brought him up there with us. And I'm sitting while Carolyn's cleaning the houses. By the way, I got laid off from my bookkeeping job. In three months, I caught the books up that were behind for, for two months. The brother said, hey, you're doing such a great job. Thank you very much. You got everything caught up, but I don't need you anymore. So I'm sitting at home with the cat in the chair, looking out the window, watching it snow again and again and again. And and the Lord began to speak to us that there's another transition is coming. And he spoke, speaks the most oddest word to me. He says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Arise and cross over this river, Jordan, you and all these people. I go, God, what people? I'm holding a cat. <laughs> By the way, God isn't schizophrenic. He knows what he's doing, okay? And so very soon after... I said, Lord, what do, you, what do you want? He goes, I want you to take a job again. And he goes, I don't, want you to go, I don't want you to go back to Florida. And so I put my resume out there, and lo and behold, this job opportunity with an engineering company in Tucson, Arizona, pops up. And we were renting a little two-story house, and I'm upstairs on the computer. I get this email. I yell down the stairs to Carolyn. She's in the kitchen. And I go, Carolyn, there's a job opportunity in Tucson, Arizona. She goes, Tucson, Arizona, isn't that the desert? Isn't there just sand out there? <laughs> Those of you that have been from the East Coast know what I'm talking about, right? And uh, it was the Lord. And the, we, the company flew us out for the interview. And right away, the Lord just gave us a piece. Didn't give me a word yet. It wasn't until I accepted the job offer, the very next day, the Lord speaks this to me. He says, listen. He says, can I not make streams in the desert? He says, you'll, you know, you'll excel in that job there. Your family will flourish and your ministry will prosper. 
And all of a sudden I had this peace. We make the transition to Tucson. We, we were in Tucson for several months. I'm working the job. We've gotten settled in. Our daughter is in second grade at the time. And God begins to speak to us. Remember back to Melbourne, Florida, we were talking about planning a church. That was years before. And all of a sudden, God began to speak to us. And he says, he says, I want you to plant a church here in Tucson. I'm like, God, what about the call to the nations? What about going back to the mission field, God? I thought you said missions. Our heart was for missions. I was disappointed about not going to Romania. In fact, I felt like God pulled the rug from out un un underneath my feet. He says, no, no, Tucson's your mission field. If you'll plant this church here, I'll send you and others to more nations you've ever dreamed of. You see, I want you to hear this tonight. Some of, there is, I, I believe there are some here that God is going to send you on a trajectory and it is not linear. It's going to go to the right. It's going to go to the left. You may circle around the mountain. You may circle all around the mountain a couple of times. But if you'll stay true to God and allow him to keep speaking to you, you'll be amazed at what he unfolds in your life. So you've got to know the strategy of God. So now we've got the word of the Lord, plant a church and establish a church in the city. So now all of a sudden, and it's not been easy. We have been, I've shared so much with Alan. I'll call Alan. I called him a few weeks ago. I'm, you know, pastors have those moments, right? Okay. We are human. And it's not been easy, but we've watched God do something that only God can do. We came from the East Coast. We didn't get sent out with by a large church. I got sent by an engineering company that paid our way. And that story, for time, I can't. They owed thousands of dollars to move us across the country and bonuses and helped us buy the house and all these things. There was no church that could have gave us the money that they gave us to do what God wanted us to do. Somebody needs to hear that because not everybody is called to leave the marketplace. And I would have been willing to stay a bivocational pastor for many years. So we planted the church and I kept working that job as an engineer. And then on a missions trip down to, to Brazil in 2003 or about a year and a half into the, into the church. And all of a sudden, and now I, I'm actually, I really like my job. And I'm getting paid really good. We're happy. Things are going good. Church is starting to do good. We're think, and all of a sudden, God speaks to me. I'm sitting on the front floors during one of the, 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 the morning sessions, leadership training. It was in Rio de Janeiro. There's about 1,000 people. They're the presence of God. And Dr. Randy Clark is speaking. It's powerful. And I respect Randy. And it's like, man, this is just... And all of a sudden, and, and Randy will do this sometimes. He'll go, listen, if you're here, you're part of the team. If you feel God speaking to you or ministering to you, don't, don't minister right now. Just receive from the Lord. And man, I was on the floor so fast and I'm just before the Lord and I'm just like, God, what's going on? He goes, your job is your river Jordan. I want you to cross it. I go, God. He goes, the church can't get to where I want it to go until you leave that job and trust me yet once again. This is third time now in my life I had to leave a really good paying job. And so I, I'm saying yes, yes to God. Oh, and by the way, it was during that same encounter with the Lord. This is before 
Randy started a network of churches, and the Lord spoke to me. He said, he said Randy's going to start a network of churches. I want you to be a part of that. So I talked to Randy right at the end, and he goes, Bob, I'm not going to start a network of churches. Just travel with me as much as you can. Then a few months later, he calls me. He goes, Bob, I'm starting the network of churches. Do you want to be a part? So I get back from that trip, and I'm like, Lord, surely my wife, she's so wise. She has such wisdom. She hears from you. She's going to tell me that I was crazy down there in Brazil. And no, I tell her, God said, leave the job. She goes, you know, the Lord's been preparing me. He told me you'd have to leave that job soon. But we've looked back. There was times after I left that job, we went through all our savings People would show up with groceries at the house and different things would happen over the next couple of years. We hired a worship leader at that point. We had no, we weren't even taking a salary. And God made a way. And I looked, I was sharing with Alan a little bit here the other day, just where, where our church is at now and financially and, and the, the new building that we built a few years ago and different things. And I'm like, I'm like, only God can do that. Only God. Some of you need to, when you hear the voice of the Lord, if you will dare to step out and risk with him, watch what he will do with you. Get his strategy, and then that's where the victory is won. It's in that strategy room, and then you carry that forward. So let me talk quickly about three strategies that you can help you fulfill your word and align yourself with your prophecy. In 1 Timothy 1.18 Paul told Timothy, Timothy, my child, I'm giving you these instructions based on the prophecies that were once made about you. So if you follow them, you can wage a good war. So now keep in mind, we want to balance both what the Spirit of God is saying to us, both in terms of personally what God is speaking to us or the prophetic words maybe someone else gives to us but we need to balance it with the logos word with the written word we want to balance word in the spirit and by the way it's also good to share what you sense these big transitions with people that you trust in the faith it's the multitude of counselors their safety it's good to share with your pastor, good to share with your leaders. Hey, I sense God is leading. Would you pray? Don't just come to them. Hey, I'm making this decision. Will you bless me in it? Invite them in the process and say, can we pray together? I sense God's, and let's go down this road. Now, that said, there are times that you may receive a word that you've got to just own and step into that maybe others may not understand. Does this make sense? The pastor that helped mentor us back in Florida, he's passed on now. I respected him a great deal. He wasn't in complete agreement on some of the decisions that we made. And, I, and some of those decisions that we made along the way maybe weren't the right timing. There is a green light in God. In the prophetic, it's like a stoplight. You got your green, your yellow, your red. Everybody knows you don't go through the red light, right? But sometimes we're going through the yellow light before we got the green light. And so there's a right timing on things. And so it's important to hear what others have to say. But Paul is telling Timothy, listen, you have received some words. Use those so you can wage a good war. And sometimes, by the way, and most often, the warfare is not against the enemy. There are some spiritual battles you'll face. Oftentimes, the warfare is on our own mind. 
our own doubts, right? We empower the enemy oftentimes by our own negativity and our own things that are we allow to go through our mind we're not completely renewed to what God's saying. So you want to take God's written word and your prophecy and you want to use it to war a good fight of faith against the circumstances that come to challenge you on your road to destiny fulfilled and guaranteed you'll have them. So meditate on your prophecies. I, I, I tell folks in our church, uh, you know, if you're getting a word, you know, record it. Certainly if someone's giving you a word, record it. Then transcribe it, write it out, read it, pray over it. Uh, get to a place where really you begin to own it and you begin to just it really become, you become one with it. And so there may be, by the way, practical things that you need to do as well as spiritual things. Sometimes the Lord may be leading you in a direction and you need some training. You know, in many of our charismatic churches, sometimes we're against training and education, but oftentimes we need more education. We need more training, maybe for the next assignment that God has for us. And so don't be resistant to that. Receive the practical training. And it may even be in a secular realm because not everybody necessarily is called to be a pastor or to go plant a church or be a missionary. Most people in the church are going to be called in some area marketplace ministry. When I say marketplace, that's not necessarily just out there working a career. That's working amongst society. Maybe you're uh, even a homemaker or whatever the case may be. So, but we see Jesus in Matthew 4 and Luke 4. He resists the temptation and the derailment of his assignment by using God's word against the enemy. He had a strategy. It is written. It is written. It is written. You remember, right? And so your destiny oftentimes, and most of the time, it doesn't depend on what others do to you. Have you ever been let down or disappointed by somebody else? God's promise to you empowers you to stand and say, this is what the Lord has said. When you've got that word from the Lord and you know you've heard from him, when the negative circumstances and the storms of life come, and surely they will come, then you can stand and say, wait a minute, this is what God has said. When we went through that season after I left the job to, full, to pastor the church full-time in Tucson, and, and we had lean times, I had, to, I had to, Lord, you said, you called us, to, and I would recite the words to him. Lord, you watch over your word to perform it. God, you are not a man that you should lie. Lord, you said that you'll provide every, all of our needs, and just, I would stand on that and then wait. Now, it didn't happen overnight by the way. It took some time to see some of the fulfillment of those things happen. Moses, remember the story. God sends Moses back to Egypt, but he allows them to be tested every step of the way. Finally, as Moses is leading the children of Israel out, they arrive at the Red Sea, and God says to Moses in Exodus 14, 14 and 15, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward, but lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go on dry, on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Moses had a promise from God to get to the other side. So he's got a strategy. He's got a word. He had to rely on that promise, which gave him authority over the situation. You see, you don't know the truth of any situation until you've heard from Jesus. I believe it was Blackaby said that in his book on communing with God, right? 
You don't know the truth of any situation until you've heard from Jesus. And so, Lord, what is it in this situation? Uh, You've got the bigger picture. You're moving in this direction. And all of a sudden, some negative circumstances come. And you just stop, pause, spend some time in the presence of the Lord. Lord, what is the strategy right now in this moment? How? And when you get that word, then you can rely on that and fight an effective battle of faith. You know, we... I mentioned this a minute ago that we had built a new building. We finished, actually, this December will be uh, eight years ago that we finished this new sanctuary building. And uh, partway through the construction process, it was during the Great Recession, remember that started in 2008? And uh, it was 2011. We're, we got the building. It's like three-quarters of the way done. And the contractor calls me one day. I'm actually on my way to a conference in in. Uh, in Colorado with Global Awakening, and I get a call from the, from the uh, contractor. He says, I've gone bankrupt. I can't work on your project anymore. I'm sorry. You know, you can't move into a building that's only three-quarters done. But you see, we had numerous words about building this building. And I said, Lord, here we are in this situation. And the Lord had given me a vision before we started the construction I saw Jesus, he had an apron on, and you know, carpenters in the New Testament really were like stonemasons, very rugged, very hard work. And I saw the Lord, he's got like this apron on, and he's building a wall, and he's got these rocks, and he's got these huge, strong forearms. He's not real tall, but he's putting these rocks in place, and he's got like a plumb line, and he stops, and he's got you know, mortar, and he's putting the rocks in place, and he stops in this vision, and I see the Lord. He looks at me, he goes, Bob, I want my building built. That was it. That was the word. Contractor quits. I get back from the trip. I go up on a mountain around Tucson, Mount Lemon. It's like your mountain, and I'm up there, and I'm walking. I get this old, this, this dog, he's passed on now. He's part German shepherd and, and, and collie. He's beautiful. He was a beautiful golden dog. He was my hiking buddy. And I'm up there, I'm hiking, and I'm hiking really fast. And I'm, and I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. And I get through this, I'm up about 8,000 feet. I get around these ponderosa pines. And all of a sudden, the Lord reminds me of the vision he gave me back when we first started the building. And all of a sudden, I just see that vision again. I stop. He's like right in the Ponderosa Pines is a repeat of the same vision. I see the Lord, he's doing, and he looks at me and he smiles. He goes, Bob, I want my building built. Then I said to him, I go, Lord, you have a problem. The contractor quit. (laughs) There's that. So I you know, but what happened in that encounter? And oftentimes a visionary or a word that you have, the Lord will bring you back into it. And it's like it's fresh all over again. It may even be years that you had it before. And all of a sudden, there was new strength in me. It wasn't just hiking in the mountains. It was like something in that vision, in that fresh encounter with the Lord. I knew it was going to get done. We still didn't know what we were going to do with the contract. I got back down and began to talk to some of the elders and leaders, and, and we quickly began to pray about it. And we interviewed three or four different contractors, selected one, and God did it. We ended up getting within the next six months, getting the building. We had to raise some more money, had to correct some things the other contractor did, but we got it done. And we had our first service, December 25th, 2011. 
It was awesome. It was a Sunday. It was Christmas. Jesus did it. He had his building built. But he needed someone that would take the prophetic word and be willing to see it to fulfillment. Are you with me? You see, every one of us has a destiny and an assignment. What's your assignment? What's your destiny? When you have his word, he'll see you through to the other side. Maybe it's a word over your family. Maybe it's over your career, whatever it is. So take your word, use it as a form of prayer and worship. Go higher and hotter. Remember, binding the devil does little. He's already been defeated by Christ. Go look at Colossians 2.15. Rather, worship God passionately. Make him bigger in your eyes and stand on the promises that he's given you. Most of what happens, whether the prophecies come to pass in our life, they depend on us, not what others do to us. It's what we do with the words and our response response to God. Strategy number two, don't neglect your gift given through prophecy. Paul said in 1 Timothy 4.14, don't neglect the spiritual gift in you that was given through prophecy when the elders laid hands on you. Gifts are imparted or activated through prophecy. Some gifts, know this, are part of how God created you. They're already within you. They're part of your DNA. Take a good look at, at, at Romans 12, motivational gifting, or 1 Corinthians 12, the spiritual gifting, or the ministry gifts that Paul talks about in Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. You're a combination of those. Again, it doesn't mean everybody's called the full-time ministry, but all of us have giftings and calling, and it's all intertwined with our destiny and the DNA that God's wove into us. And so prophecy then, the word over our life, helps activate and brings that into function. Prophecy often confirms what God has already been speaking to you. Some of the words that God began to speak to me later in life, 30s and 40s, it went all the way back to my early 20s when I first gave my life to the Lord. Before I went through some of those difficult and challenging times, those words were alive and active. And by the way, so is the destiny all the way back when I came from my mother's womb, right? Are you with me? Those things are there, but They've got to come alive. And so through prophecy and impartation, gifts are given and deposited into your life. It's there in seed form, but it requires our cooperation to see it mature and bring a harvest. Give yourself to your prophecy. Cultivate it in your life. Uh, it's, you just got to let it chew on it and let it build. So what has God spoken over you? It's in seed form. Be proactive to make it grow. Your prophecy won't suddenly appear one night. You must cooperate with God, learn kingdom principles, skills, education, grow spiritually, etc. Realize that you can accept or reject what God is offering through prophecy. You have a choice. It's yes or no. If you say no to the gift and calling of God, he still loves you. Nothing changes that. But if you say yes, there may be some risk involved. It may even cost you at times. But he loves you the same even if you said no. You don't earn more of his love, but God brings you into something. If it, cost, it may cost you something, are you willing to pay the price to see the prophecy fulfilled? So many times, and you hear this with uh, different ones. I, the one I think of uh, most often is someone like Heidi Baker. And I know Heidi was here not too long ago. And people want the mantle that's on her life. And that's, I think she even spoke about that when she was here. Because I watched a little bit on, online, by the way. 
And uh, people often, they want the mantle that's on someone's life that's really being used by the Lord. But the question is, are we really willing to take what God's given us? Are we willing to pay the price to see what God's called us to do to come to pass? We're trying to earn something rather than to be, receive what God's already called us to and just be obedient to that. Hebrews uh, uh, 6.12 says this, We inherit the promises through faith and patience. Many drop out and give up before the commissioning by God. The prophecy and calling becomes too costly. I look back on my life, and it would have been real easy a couple of times to say no to the calling and just kept working. I was a good engineer. Just keep working as an engineer. There's no shame in being an engineer, by the way. We need engineers. You like your iPhone, right, or your your Android, okay? Uh, But God had something else for me. God would have been perfectly happy with my life, but he would have chosen someone else to do some of the things that I'm doing. <laughs> there was some time later after we planted the church and the church was doing well, I remember one time I was praying and the Lord spoke to me. He said, you know, you weren't my first choice. You weren't even my second choice. By the way, you weren't my third choice. I go, okay, God, I got it. He said, but you did say yes. You see, sometimes God will put us in assignments in positions where others just simply the cost was too much. He's looking for someone to say yes. He'll qualify the unqualified. When the commissioning comes, God will make it it known. Other leaders will see it. You won't have to make it happen. Believe what the Lord has done. Again, the prophecy will confirm your calling. When you respond with a yes, the journey begins. Sometimes that commissioning will come later. Last point, I'll try to be brief. Strategy number three Prophecy releases your kingdom identity. You know the scripture, Psalm 139, verse 16. David said, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. I love what Jeremiah 1.5 says to the young Jeremiah. The Lord says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nation. So when God creates us, he places that destiny within us, the plans for our lives. Each of us, again, has that unique calling and destiny and gift mix. It's dormant within us. Prophecy speaks to God's destiny placed within us, and it confirms our calling. But the kingdom of God carries the identity of the Father. Now listen closely. When we are born into a world Uh, we're born into a world that's influenced by the devil and the enemy. And so the development of our identity during our formative years can be influenced negatively by what we learn and experience. My father had some real issues in his life. I found out after my dad died that he'd been sexually abused. And then later I look back, I found out of my uncle later after my dad died. I look back on it, I look in my dad's life, and some of the things that happened, all of a sudden light bulbs began to go off. And I realized he made some of these choices along the way and eventually left my mother. He was a broken man and he never got healed of those things. Well, guess what? His real identity was hampered 
by the negativity and the circumstance that he experienced. And unfortunately, because he was not healed up, he passed that on and affected his own family. Does this make sense? And so like most of us, we come from families, even if you come from a good family, it's not perfect. And so sometimes the things we go through in life, they affect our identity and your God's kingdom identity for us is different than the circumstances that identity creates around us. So we may see ourselves perhaps maybe too tall, too short, overweight, rejected, abandoned, or as a failure, or maybe just full of shame because of things that have happened in our life or choices maybe that we have made. And so we may not naturally have God's true identity in our heart. What we are taught and life's experience helps shape our identity. But when we are born again and we come into the kingdom of God, we bring an identity shaped by the world and life's experience. So then we must replace those negative mindsets that are contrary to the kingdom mindsets and our true identity in God. So in God's kingdom, his original calling, destiny and identity are the same. Prophecy helps bring this forward. You see, our circumstances that shape us and surround us and maybe even put layers around our heart, they aren't, those aren't our true identity. It's when all of a sudden we completely surrender to the Lord and we begin to hear his voice and the prophetic word begins to penetrate and the seed begins to come alive. All of a sudden we begin to break out of that shell and we become something that we were not before. That's what prophecy and that's what the word of the Lord does for our life. That's why God can take the least likely people. Oh, I love the fact you're going to go and do some street evangelism because you just never know. Some of those ones that seem the most broken may be the very ones that God wants to propel forward to use to impact many in, this, in, the, in the earth in this hour. Some of the most least likely. I have a tremendous heart for single moms. My mom was a, a single mom, that, you know, raising five kids. And listen, there are some amazing, 25% of the children in America are raised by a single parent. And most of those are single, single moms. If you will, they are widows. They are modern-day widows that need help in this hour. Some of those kids and those families are guys like me that have tremendous potential or young women that if they have mentors and those that will call forth the destiny and pull them forward into what God has for them, you'll be amazed at what God can do in your city and, and, and in our churches. And so God wants to help them pull, pull forward and for us to be changed. Romans 12, 2. Paul said this, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can figure out what God's will is, what is good and pleasing and mature. So our mind, our heart must be transformed to see yourself as God sees you. And his original identity has never changed for your life. And so as we learn these kingdom thoughts and beliefs, we replace these negative thoughts, we get our hearts healed up, and now all of a sudden we begin to see with kingdom perspective and a kingdom mentality, and we have access to God's kingdom. And so you remember Gideon, he's afraid, he's hiding away in Tibbon, he's influenced by his experiences, the angel speaks a word, releases prophecy, and declares kingdom identity over him. He became who God created him to be, a mighty deliverer and leader of God's people, because the word penetrated the heart and broke through those experiences. Paul was a legalist, a murderer. 
He meets Jesus who speaks kingdom identity over him. And he's born to be a mighty apostle that will lead Gentiles to Christ. He then began to live out of his true kingdom identity, not the negative experiences of the past. And so prophecy then reveals the kingdom identity. It reveals the heart of God and plans of God for that person. And when we prophesy to others, we declare over them who they really are. Prophecy helps heal the wounds and hurts of the past, what moves them into the kingdom identity. Don't look at the weaknesses. Don't look at the failures in a person, but press in to see the heart of God for that person. Speak forth the destiny to help move them into their true identity, and you'll be amazed at what begins to happen. You may not see the full fulfillment, but God knows the plans. And real quick, I'll end end right here. A couple years ago, I was at the Voice of the Prophets at Global Awakening, and uh, I helped teach the, the Christian prophetic certification program and have taught some of the CHCP classes online as well. And, and so they always at the VOP on Thursday or Friday, they, they get a bunch of us instructors to help minister and prophesy and pray over people. And I remember I'm going down, I'm pr- praying, and I, I get and prophesying over someone. I get to this, this one mother, and she's holding her, looked like an eight-year-old son, and she's holding, and this woman had faith. She's got her smartphone out, and she's got that record button ready to go. She knows she's going to get a word, and she doesn't want a word for herself. She wants a word for her son, and I'm telling you, her faith pulled on something in me. When I got there, and she she goes, I want a word for my son. I said, I'll ask Jesus, and she puts that button. I just began to pray, and I began to speak to the destiny in this eight or ten-year-old boy's heart, and I could sense the anointing of the Spirit of God. I said, I see, I see where he's called to business and God, he's given him a keen mind and God's going to begin to give him education and training and God's going to put him in a place of influence. I see him in the marketplace. I see him in fact in a big conference room and table and he's got a voice that when he begins to speak, he's going to speak and others will begin to listen. You'll be surprised in the days and years ahead at the influence that God gives to your son. And that woman, just the tears, <clears throat> little boy's eyes just got big and the tears going down that mother's face. And all I could think of was my mom and had someone come along in our lives and given a word to her like that for some of her kids, how things might have turned out a little bit different. Would you go ahead and stand? You're an amazing group of people here. You're a great church. You guys have the heart of the kingdom. You've had some amazing speakers and ministry through here. And so we just close your eyes for a moment Father, I I ask right now, I believe, Lord, there's some in the room, maybe some of life's circumstances has clouded some of those words and prophecies that have been there, maybe even some of the kingdom identity. I'm asking God tonight that you would explode faith. In fact, some of you, even in the night season tonight, God's going to begin to speak and reawaken something in your heart tonight. Something is stirring. And so, God, I'm asking right now that you would release And you would stir identity and destiny tonight. Lord, that which is lying dormant, I ask God that you would awaken that, God, tonight. Holy Spirit, come. And Lord, I stand against any of the shame or the failures of the past. And I felt like the Lord said that some of you need to forgive yourself. I've had to forgive myself so many times for some of the bad mistakes I've made. Right now, if that's you, just say, Lord, I forgive myself. Will you forgive me? But I forgive myself. I receive your grace. And you know this, your past doesn't dictate your future. Lord, so I release the destiny right now. 
And I, I, I just, those of you that feel that you are called to some area of ministry, maybe it's right here in this church, maybe it's something outside the church, maybe you feel you're called to be a church planner. Pastor Allen mentioned to me, he's got a vision for church planning. Maybe you feel called to be a church planner, maybe something in marketplace. If that's you, just want to come forward. I just want to begin to pray. Holy Spirit, those that you're touching and been speaking to, remember prophecy confirms primarily what God has already been speaking to you. You see, if someone had told me, I, 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 I'm sending you to Tucson to plant a church and giving me a prophetic word, that actually may have derailed me. I needed to hear from the Lord, and when I got there, God spoke, and then others came along and spoke some things that confirmed what God was already doing. And so, Lord, I pray right now, those that feel a specific call, I'm asking God that you'd begin to fan the flame. Could I have the ministry team, Carolyn, Gail, Alan, just begin to pray? Come on, church. Ministry team, come on. The Lord's going to begin to release something. I just would ask ministry team, if you feel you got a word for somebody, make sure that either they got something to record it with or you do. Lord, I just pray right now, just release some folks over Stir here. God, that calling. I see the Lord like with old-fashioned billows that you would use to blow on coal to make the coal embers fiery hot. Lord, take right now and blow on their hearts, God. Alan, I'm just going to begin to pray over some people. Chuck's going to release some words in a minute. I do think it's notable that um, the Lord has been leading our church into um, a church planting. Lord, I just vision. bless my brother right here. My friend comes, he's a church planner. You guys Holy don't know, Spirit but I'm, I'm leaving in the morning for a couple of days to go visit a church planter in Oklahoma City who said, God wants me to connect with you. Uh, so there's just a lot of simply God-ordained things that are coming forth. We're going we're gonna to step into them. Also, I want to bless Jason. I don't know what you're coming for, but I just want to bless you and Nicole. Come on, guys. Come on down here. Nicole, they're going to have their baby. You might want to bless them in some way, but I I know that Jason's always had it in his heart that there's something God's got on his heart. You guys have gone to Texas and transformed your lives and gotten a promise from God, and you're stepping into blessing and we want to bless you. you. Eight years you've been praying for this baby to come. And uh, you're here this weekend to, to celebrate that. Let me have a couple of people come pray for them and bless them. Come on. Why is my ministry team reticent tonight? I know we went a little late, but that's what happens when you have a guest. Because I, let, I let, um, let preachers come and they keep you late so you'll like me better. 
I need uh, a lady right over here to help me. And I do. I still need somebody to come pray for Jason and Nicole. Mama Gail will be back in the back if you're a guest tonight. Uh, Gail and my son Anthony will be at a table out in the doors. They want to, If you're new to the church, we want to greet you, give you a gift. And uh, they'll see you as you come out. Chuck's going to give a few words. I got the, uh, the word Dallas. Um, it's probably for Jason and Nicole, but if, uh, Dallas, also the, the town Midland, two Texas cities. Let's have any connection for you. Come get prayer. Uh, word of knowledge for bone spurs. Word of knowledge for light sensitivity with your eyes. Um, word of knowledge for, I felt twice during worship like a cooling on my right knee. I don't, I don't know what that is. I don't know if that's numbness or tingling or what, but if that makes any sense to you. And also one more, if you have um, a, a burden on your heart for a 16-year-old, if there's a strong burden on your heart for a 16-year-old, come get prayer. I'm going to release you. May the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. God bless you, church. Good night. Still need a couple of people to help me down here.